Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, which commercial touchdown during the big game and which ones fumbled? We'll get a recap of this year's Spot Bowl survey, rating the winners of the Super Bowl advertising battle. Also this morning, State Representative John Cross last week announced millions of dollars have been allocated for the 83rd District in a nearly $2 billion supplemental appropriations bill passed by the Ohio House. The critics say, not so fast. There's more to the story. And we'll get details on upcoming events and activities from the Hancock County OSU Extension and 4-H program. Jennifer Little will be here to tell us what's happening. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, February 12th, 2024. What a game last night. Whether you were happy with the outcome, whether you were disappointed with the outcome, or indifferent with the outcome of the game, I think we can all agree it was a Super Bowl for the ages. Just a a terrific game as it turned out to be between uh, San Francisco and uh, Kansas City last night. But I wonder, I wonder if perhaps the game was a little too good for all of the advertisers liking. I mean, those uh, companies that spent $7 million for every 30-second ad in the Super Bowl, and this morning around the water cooler, everybody's going to be talking about the game. It's the game that uh, created the most buzz. I mean, usually it's the commercials people are buzzing about after the game. But this year, it was the game itself. It was uh, pretty darn good. So, I don't know. Is that Was it too good for the quit? A little bit later on this morning, we're going to talk about the uh, commercials and uh, get the uh, post-game analysis on the battle within the battle from the folks at the Spot Bowl uh, to uh, find out which were the uh, top ads and how they stacked up against years past and and so on. But I just wonder if uh, maybe the game was too good that it overshadowed the advertisers or the advertising that uh, all of those companies paid millions upon millions of dollars uh, to run. But I did see this on the uh, Newswire. Among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, because, of course, the uh, Super Bowl was in Las Vegas And um, if there's one thing that Las Vegas knows how to do, it's they know how to take an event that's already over the top and make it even more so. Um, (laughs) The Chapel of Flowers in Las Vegas was giving free weddings to couples named Taylor and Travis (laughs) on Sunday. (laughs) So the real Travis and Taylor... Uh, both showed off their hardware. Taylor Swift won you know, the Grammys, and now Travis Kelsey picked up some hardware of his own. And uh, both have won those respective categories before, but uh, they all have, now both have fresh hardware. Uh, and apparently, thanks to the little chapel of flowers in Las Vegas, uh, anyone else named Taylor and Travis got married for free. The wedding chapel made the announcement as Taylor Swift's boyfriend, Travis Kelsey, and his team, the Kansas City Chiefs, took on the San Francisco 49ers in the Super Bowl. Uh, the uh, chapel is uh, by the Strat uh, Hotel, Casino, and Tower. <laughs> I thought that's that kind of clever. I like that. Uh, uh, let's see. Some of the other uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories. There'll be plenty of time to talk about the uh, Super Bowl and all of that. 
uh, through the course of the day. Let me uh, bring you up to speed on some of the other uh, interesting items uh, from the uh, Newswire this morning. Certainly things that you might have missed uh, over the weekend. Here's some pleasant news. The Deschutes County Health Services in Oregon, the state of Oregon, has reported that state's first case of human plague in nearly 10 years. Uh, The individual affected by this is believed to have contracted the rare disease from their pet cat. Authorities have contacted close relatives and individuals this person may have been in contact with, uh, providing medication to prevent illness. Symptoms of the plague typically manifest in humans within two to eight days after exposure to an infected animal or flea, including fever, nausea, weakness, chills, muscle aches, and swollen lymph nodes. The health department assures that catching uh, catching the case early poses little risk to the community. But it certainly doesn't sound good. I've got a case of the plague. And not to be outdone, Alaska health officials have reported the state's first fatal case of Alaska pox, a recently discovered viral disease. Alaska pox. The victim was an elderly immunocompromised man from the Kenai Peninsula passed away while undergoing treatment late last month. This marks one of the one of only seven reported cases of Alaska pox infections in the state. The Alaska Department of Public Health aims to raise awareness among clinicians to identify signs and symptoms of the double-stranded DNA virus, which belongs in the same genus as smallpox, monkeypox, and cowpox. So, Alaska pox. So, uh, a little cheery news to start you with this morning. So, I know you're, you're glad to have tuned in for that. <laughs> but I want to make sure that you are aware of these things. They're very important. Uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame announced the list of nominees who could be inducted in 2024. On Saturday, the Rock Hall revealed the names of 15 artists, including among them Mariah Carey, Cher, which I thought was interesting, Mary J. Blige, and Ozzy Osbourne. Uh, Ten of the names, uh, those were just some, uh, 15 in all. Ten of the names are first-time uh, first-timers on the ballot, including Cher, who you recall last year said that there was no way she would ever accept being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. As a matter of fact, she uh, basically told the uh, Rock Hall to go you-know-what yourself um, after, because she's never been nominated, and, and she thinks... Uh, she has been slighted, and um, and I would say she's got an argument that she probably should have been on the ballot many years ago, um, but she is now, so it'll be interesting if she gets enough votes to get in, and I can't imagine that she wouldn't, uh, whether she would uh, follow through on her threat to decline to be inducted, or whether she would you know, have a change of heart and fully participate uh, in the uh, nomination or in the induction ceremony, should she be chosen. Ten of the names uh, are on the ballot for the first time, and now that the nominees have been announced, the Hall of Fame will send ballots to over a 1,000 artists, historians, and members of the music industry 
to vote on who should be inducted. And there is a fan vote, right? That's You can vote uh, on the uh, Rock Hall's website. I think they have a, a fan vote as well. The results um, supposed to be out in late April. We'll find out who the inductees are this year in the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But kind of a uh, big story here. And lastly, among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. You remember last week, Valentine's Day is coming up on Wednesday, of course. So that's, you know, one of the, the you know, big things that we're talking about now this week is leading up to uh, Valentine's Day. And you remember last week we had the story about the best book boyfriends. This was on Friday, was it not? On Friday, I believe we were talking about this. Uh, a poll of 2,000 romance novel readers uh, reveals that 25% brush up on the books to get them in the mood for Valentine's Day, and 30% say those romance novels raise their expectation of what a good relationship is. And on Friday, we were talking about the uh, fans naming their best book boyfriends. The best book boyfriends. Noah uh, from The Notebook, who was played on the big screen by Ryan Gosling, was deemed to be the most beloved book boyfriend with one-third, fully one-third of the votes. Uh, Christian Grey from the Fifty Shades uh, books ranked second, and Edward Cullen from the Twilight series came in third. That was what we mentioned on Friday. Uh, I actually saw a follow-up to that. The uh, survey also included men who are uh, fans of romance books. And I don't know any men who are fan fans of romance romance novels, but apparently there are some. And so they asked the men for the best book girlfriends. And guess who came in first? Anastasia Steele from the Fifty Shades series. That's <laughs> the best book girlfriend with 27% of the votes. Juliet from Romeo and Juliet was second with 25%, followed by Bella from the Twilight books at 23%. And when you... Hear those names as the best book girlfriends. Keep in mind, more than 66% of the readers of romantic novels say that it's important that their real-life partner share the same qualities as their literary crushes. <laughs> Which is particularly interesting if you consider that Anastasia Steele from the Fifty Shades series is number one. <laughs> what... What exact, exactly what qualities are we hoping <laughs> that our real-life uh, significant other shares with our uh, book girlfriends in that case? Hmm. Just throwing it out there. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, partly to mostly sunny today, a high in the mid-40s. Partly cloudy tonight, a uh, low around 30. The Ohio State Highway Patrol says a motorcyclist was killed in a crash while fleeing from Hancock County deputies a little east of Finley. The crash happened on State Route 568 near Milepost 5 in Marion Township on Friday night. The sheriff's office was pursuing the motorcycle at the time of the crash after it fled an attempted traffic stop in Finley. 
A preliminary investigation shows that while actively fleeing from the sheriff's office, the motorcycle went off the left side of the road, hit a large ravine before coming to final rest in a nearby field. Life-saving measures were attempted on the 33-year-old operator of the motorcycle, but he was pronounced deceased at the scene. Get more in the story on our website. Charges related to housing the homeless have been dropped against the pastor of a church in Bryan. Chris Aval faced nearly two dozen criminal charges for keeping his church open 24-7. Brian's police chief said it is illegal to use the first floor of buildings for residential purposes where dad's place is located. The city told the church to stop operating 24 hours a day or face legal penalties. WTOL 11's Jeff Smith reporting. With speculation rising that the Cleveland Browns may be considering building a dome stadium away from downtown, owners of bars and restaurants near the current stadium are worried. Business owners think about the possibility of the Browns playing 20 minutes away in Brook Park. That's pretty terrifying. That's a huge benefit and lifeline of this neighborhood. Business owners tell me that if the Browns do in fact move out, the city needs to have a plan in place for the downtown community, especially the lakefront, to match the financial impact the Browns have had on these local businesses. Reporting in Cleveland, Neil Fisher. Blanchard Valley Health System says it's received information regarding a potential telephone scam targeting community residents. In this case, it appears that the call is coming from a BVHS entity, but it is not. BVHS says be aware that no division of BVHS would contact a patient to change their plan or sell any product regarding Medicare. Local authorities have been notified of the scam, and if you receive a similar call, simply hang up. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Wait, who's that? It's my ex, Lemon Lime Soda. It's me, America's sweetheart, and I just love having a blast. The Mountain Dew Baja Blast. You're unfreezing me. That means... Yes, there's a better chicken wing, Popeyes. The Sailor Man? No, the chicken place. So every little detail about our family will be on TV? Who would watch that? You look like the Pringles guy. No, I don't. We're making a big change to Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. No! What a feeling! I have Wi-Fi now! Can't stop streaming! Have some wings to chop! Clips from some of the more memorable commercials from last night's Super Bowl. So, which of those ads scored a touchdown during the big game, and which ones fumbled the ball? Time for a little post-game analysis, a recap of this year's Spot Bowl survey. Rating the winners and losers of the advertising battle, we are joined once again by Dave Schaffner. He is captain of the Spot Bowl, which is America's largest Super Bowl ad poll for the past 20 years, now plus. And uh, Dave, thanks very much for uh, taking the time once again. We appreciate it. Let me... Let me start with the question, and we were actually talking about this at the outset of the program, and I want to get your thoughts. Is it possible that the game last night was perhaps too good for the advertiser's liking? I mean, in the past, we've all, we've all been to Super Bowl parties where the game was so lopsided and, and boring that people have lost interest, and maybe the party wrapped early, or people stopped paying attention and that's not good but i'm thinking this game last night was so good that all the buzz around the water cooler today is going to be about the game maybe even overshadowing the ad so is it is it possible for the game to be too good for the advertisers 
Sure. I mean, I think that's the question we ask every year is what's better, the game or the ad? Some years it is the game. Some years it's the ad. Some years both are great or some years both are bad. Uh, I will say this about the game. I, I think most people would agree that the first half of the game wasn't all that exciting. Pretty well, low that's scoring, true. right? Uh, so the ads shined in the first half. The game shined in the second half and in, and in overtime. Uh, so I think it's kind of a win-win for both sides. Did you, Do you see that uh, reflected in the poll where people respond more to the advertisements that, that aired in the first half, maybe because they were paying more attention to them than when the game really got interesting in the second half? You know, not, not as much, and here's why. Okay. Uh, 40 of the ads, 40 of the 50 ads that we saw last night were released ahead of time. So they were already up on spot poll days before the game started, and voting was underway. So pregame voting started last week. Uh, so, so we had a lot of the ads up there already. Um, and, and, and I will say that the ads that did appear in the game that were a surprise to us are doing pretty well. So what were some of the top spots, top-rated spots by viewers in the spot bowl, and why uh, were they uh, so successful? Sure. Well, the, I think uh, our top three, I'll, I'll give you a rundown of our top three, and I should note that polling is still open. The votes okay. are still coming in until noon Eastern today, but this is our top three. They've been in there overnight all pretty solidly. At number three, we've got Doritos. That was a pregame release. And that was in number in, in the number one spot until until kickoff. Okay. Doritos, that's the one. Dina and Mita, the, the the ants who go to great lengths to get a bag of Doritos. Um, that one's at number three. But it was ousted from the top spot by two spots that weren't pre-released, which tells you that this this pre-release uh, plan maybe doesn't always work. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two spot was the Arnold Schwarzenegger State Farm spot. Yeah, that like was a good name. Yeah, like that a good name. That's good. fun to say, right? So. That one was good. Um, that's number two. And then number, and then number one, one. Go ahead. The number one is? Number one is, yes. Uh, and, and it's holding pretty firm. Uh, it, it, may, may, it may make a run until noon. Uh, that is the Dunkin' Donut spot uh, called Dunking. <laughs> That's with Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, star-studded spot, Tom yeah. Brady in a boy band uh, auditioning for, uh, of course, Ben Affleck's real-life girlfriend, J-Lo. Yeah. And you mentioned those top two were ones that were not pre-released and and i i'm like you i wonder if maybe that's not the wisest strategy because it really takes away from some of what we tune in for the super bowl commercials for in the first place i i think so and i think uh, the, the one of the things about three of the ads last night that weren't pre-released all had a big element of surprise to them so mm-hmm. i think that's why they wanted to wait until game day the, the schwarzenegger spot at Danny DeVito at the end in a surprise cameo. Love Danny DeVito, especially in the Super Bowl ad. Who can forget him as an M&M, right? Yeah. Um, the number one spot, Dunkin' Donuts, you know, that had a lot of stars in it uh, in, in sort of funny roles. And then another spot from Verizon with, with Beyonce. Beyonce, I mean, she's like as big of a celebrity cameo as you can get. Right. Uh, that one took the world by storm uh, and, and threatened to break the Internet, which was the theme of the spot. Yeah, uh, and and that one was, uh, I thought, really effective and memorable uh, as well. And like we were talking last week in the run-up to the Spot Bowl, it seems like humor, once again, uh, is the magic formula for making these commercials memorable. For sure. You know, I think we've seen that over the years, um, certainly in the Spot Bowl era of the last 21 years, that humor is the prevailing emotion that you want to strike but, you know, serious ads can, can make an impact, too. We saw that with Dove's 
uh, hard knock spot about uh, body images in, uh, in, in young girls in, in sports. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, a serious message can stand out when you have a lot, when it's surrounded by a lot of humor. Um, but, but humor for sure was definitely the prevailing emotion. So the flip side of this, what, what were the uh, least light spots or which ones fumbled as we uh, were referring <laughs> to uh, earlier? You know, for me, I mean, there's a lot, right? I think uh, the, the car ads always have a tough, tough time standing out. Because in, in consumers' minds, they all kind of run together. You remember a fancy car, and it's maybe it's electric, or it's mm-hmm. fast, or it's going through, you know, mud or whatever. But the car ads always kind of run together. So it's, it's hard for them to stand out. Um, you know, homes.com, I don't know if you noticed, but homes.com had, a, had like three spots in the game mm-hmm. that were all pretty forgettable. Uh, you know, they tried hard, but, uh, you know, the premise didn't really pay off. And I don't think it really, in, in my mind as a marketer, you know, communicated what Homes.com did or, or made me want to use it. So, yeah. so for me, Homes.com, not, not a big performer last night. Yeah, that one, uh, and, and that I think uh, also uh, proves the point that you're probably better off with one really good ad versus multiple sort of so-so or not-so-great ads. I would say so. Yeah, I mean they 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 had one ad that was longer that that could have been better if they'd have put their time and attention into that one. I think they'd have been better off. Yeah, you mentioned the car ads too, and I know that uh, what was it, Kia uh, and BMW. I know were the two that immediately jumped out uh, at me. I don't know if there were others, um, but two spots that took uh, kind of a different uh, approach uh, in in their method to try and. Uh, grab viewers' attention. Certainly, yeah, Kia, uh, both good spots, I'll admit. Uh, Kia was, a, was the cheerjerker of the night, the little mm. girl who was a figure skater, uh, finally got to perform for her grandfather, yeah. thanks to a trip in, in the family Kia. Uh, and then BMW with Christopher Walken, he being greeted by various people throughout his day, doing uh, terrible Christopher Walken impressions. <laughs> right. uh, another ad, the car ad that I really liked, uh, and and. I believe it was uh, Toyota. Uh, Toyota Tundra had the handle, uh, and it was P- and it was different names for that handle that you grab onto. Um, oh yes, and, uh, yes. I, I like that one a that lot. One, that one was uh, that one was clever. But the the Christopher Walken ad was a, a perfect example of a of a spot that uh, for most of the spot you didn't really know what was being advertised. It wasn't until the end when he drives off in the BMW that he realized, oh, it's a BMW ad. Yeah, and I mean, I say um, that one scored well with me for entertainment value, and mm-hmm. because I'm just a Christopher Walken fan. But you're right; I think a week later, I might struggle to remember that that was BMW, right? Uh, which is which is the key with any of these ads. If you can't, if people don't remember the brand mm-hmm. or the product around the spot, if they just remember the celebrity, the punchline, or the whatever, the talking baby, um, you know, you, if you don't remember your product, you, what are you doing there? You probably just wasted your money. Yeah, by the way, the uh, E-Trade uh, talking baby spot, I thought was uh, really really cute with the uh, uh, pickleball or the uh, wiffle tennis, as they, <laughs> they referred to it. I thought yeah. that, was, that was rather uh, clever uh, as well. So let me ask you this. Um, when you look at all of the ads in totality, where would you put the overall grade? I mean, like you were saying, there are some years where it seems like all of the commercials knock it out of the park and they're all terrific. They're all memorable. And then there are some where it seems like they all bomb. I don't know that this was on either extreme. Where would you put it closer to the the top of the list or closer to the bottom of the list? 
I mean, I think it was a solid lineup. I'll put it at a B plus, and, and I'll tell you what saved the night for for the ads. It was the unreleased spots. We talked about three of them that were not released that came through in a big, big way. Two of them at the very top of our poll right now. So I think the lineup before the game eh, it was a B minus, but the unreleased stuff bumped it up a little bit. I, I give it a B plus. Not that not the best lineup we've seen in twenty years of spot poll, but uh, it's certainly in the top half. And here's the thing, and and maybe this uh, goes back to what you were saying about uh, re, you know, recall of these spots later. Do you remember what they actually were advertising? And that's where kind of the follow-up uh, comes in, I think. Uh, over the next several weeks, many of these ads will be replayed across all of the networks on all of the shows, even at the local level. And so it will be reinforcing how do these uh, advertisers reinforce the message that they introduced at the Super Bowl. Sure. Repetition is always the key with advertising. And I think uh, you're right. We will see some of these ads. If, if it was a 60-second ad in the Super Bowl, it will likely be cut down to a a 30 second spot for, mm-hmm. for, you know, other, other events on TV. Yeah. Um, the question of course becomes, will we be watching them? You know, we, we fast forward to the commercials every other night of the year, except the Super Bowl. So we will see. Yeah. Again, uh, Dave Schaffner is captain of the spot bowl, America's largest Super Bowl ad poll for 20 years running. And the spot bowl is still open for your votes until noon today. You said, right, Dave noon today, you can go on spot bowl. Watch all the ads again or any that you missed and, and vote until noon. All right. Uh, so doing a little post-game analysis of the uh, game within the game and last night's uh, Super Bowl. Dave Schaffner, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. So last week, State Representative John Cross announced millions of dollars have been allocated for the 83rd District in a nearly $2 billion supplemental appropriations bill passed by the Ohio House. However, critics are jumping in and saying, not so fast, there's more to the story. So we're going to try and sort some of this out for you here this morning. John Cross with us in the studio this morning. Thank you very much for uh, dropping by. First of all, I have to uh, correct something. Uh, that that we said kind of in the lead up uh, sure. on Friday and, and over the weekend, we referred to this as the uh, capital budget. This is not the capital budget. That's right. It's, it's, um, that's right. And I want to talk more about the reason we're not talking about the cap- sure. capital budget coming up here in just a moment. But first, explain where this does come from. Yeah, absolutely. Very good, Chris. Good morning, everybody. The Strategic Investment Fund is a one-time fund because basically we had a carryover of money. At the end of the day, most important point, this is the taxpayer's money. We don't print money in Columbus, Ohio like the federal government does. Right. We are fighting to bring our taxpayer dollars back home. Mm-hmm. And the you're right. In the in the uh even uh, excuse me, on an odd year, we do the state operating budget. Right. Where we have uh balanced the budget we had a carryover. We maxed out the rainy day fund. So we really didn't want to put money back into bureaucratic systems. We wanted to return the money back to our communities. On an even year, which we're in now, as long as the health, the state is in a good, healthy financial position, we do a traditional capital budget where the state Senate, state house come together and over a bondable projects, look at community projects to fund. Mm-hmm. The House finance chairman and the Senate finance chairman and the budget staff got together and said, listen, we're going to take the $700 million of excess funds and we're going to give it back to the taxpayers in the form 
of a strategic investment fund to support community projects, kind of like a capital budget. But with some notable difference, differences in that these projects are not limited or not restricted to just bondable that's right. that's, uh, that's projects. The, that's right. So, that's the beauty of this. This is basically, you know, uh, this is basically cash. They don't have to go through a lot of hoops to, to get the project. Right. The, the, the checks will be, once the bill is signed by the governor, the checks will be available uh, July 1st on the new fiscal year. That's why we're trying to, to get through this as quickly as we can Okay, because projects are waiting for money and we want to get that money back to our district. Okay, and again, we'll get to some of sure, that sure, because sure. that's where some of the controversy lies. Sure. But uh, before we do that, what specifically are the allocations for, and I know there are quite a few for the entire oh, 83rd sure. district, but focusing specifically on Finlay and Hancock County, yeah. what is what is in there? Well, this week on Thursday, we're really excited to announce uh, overall for the 83rd district, $9.7 million that we fought hard to bring our taxpayer dollars back home. That's for the 83rd district. We looked at large projects, small projects, and, and Chris, I'll announce the four here in Finley, but part of that is a traditional capital budget we do is roughly $1.5 million for our district. We were able to do a lot more. Uh, and so the YMCA, which I believe in and helped get money in the previous capital budget, and particularly the, the, the Children's Learning Center, we got $1.25 million committed from the House and, and House Bill 2. Uh, the Hancock County Park District for the Oxbow Project, uh, uh, they received 250000 we got 500000 for the Hancock County Fair. No place uh, touches more people in the district than, the, than a fair because everyone loves the fair, and we have one of the best fairs here in Ohio. That will help build some new livestock arenas. And, and finally, uh, Owens Community College, we were able to – they're going to start up a Finley Trucking Training Center right here on their Finley campus. We got $250,000 to help start that program. And that's important because I've been a huge supporter – of our truck and logistics program. We've got $5 million in the operating budget to help with CDLs. So that's going to be a lot and of good have, things. And we have some local employers. Uh, yeah, that would be it's able a need. To, it's huge. Know, uh, bus, from bus drivers so, to truckers to sure. logistics folks, yeah. it's all going to be important. So again, there's more to the story. Uh, and part of that is that this is a bill that was passed by the House has not yet passed the Senate. Yeah, so House Bill 2, uh, traditionally the House usually goes first. If you look at the operating budget, we go first mm-hmm. with a House bill, send it to the Senate, and they they uh, look at it, maybe make some maneuvers. The difference here is the House wanted to go first because it's a House bill, and we have a lot of $350 million to divvy up what we think is right for the House members to bring back our taxpayer dollars. Mm-hmm. The Senate has their own $350 million to work with. So... You know, it's political season. I get it. I understand that that uh, uh, politics will be in play here. But at the end of the day, what we want our friends in the Senate to do is work through their list and, and figure out where they would like to return their $350 million back to the district. And then that bill, once it passes the Senate, will go on to the governor. I'm assuming they'll take House Bill 2. Maybe they'll, maybe, maybe they'll create their own Senate bill that will come to the House. But at the end of the day, it has to go through the process. And so what we've explained very eloquently and very simply to all of when we made this announcement is we're not handing out checks today. We're handing out a financial commitment from the House because this is a real bill with real votes and a real commitment. But again, the argument is that those numbers may get changed as it goes through that process. Well, I'm not, so, so, sh- I'm not so sure, Chris. And it was, and it was presented as though this was 
uh, a, a done deal, and that may not necessarily be done the case. deal in my eyes, Chris, because as you know, I'm a lover and a fighter. I love my district, and I fight like hell to bring our tax dollars home. And why the Senate would ever want to cut our money, our money, it's Finley's people's money, it's Hancock County's people's money. Listen, the Senate has three. Well, is that, let me, not yeah, to, not to sure. interrupt, but is that one of the reasons why you went ahead and made the announcement? Yes, uh, to yeah. hold the Senate's feet to the fire. You betcha. Hello, surprise, surprise. Leverage, leverage, yeah. folks. Let me, let me, you know, let me be very truthful and transparent to everybody listening. It is the greatest leverage to go first. But remember, the Senate has thirty-three members and three hundred fifty million dollars. They have more buying power than ninety-nine members and three hundred fifty million dollars in the House. So, if you want to do tit for tat, fine. But we get to go first. But the Senate has more spending power. What I'm asking my friends in the Senate is take care of your business bring our money back home here to finley ohio and 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 actually senator mccauley who i get along very well with i left him room and so a lot of these projects we funded we only funded 50 percent, chris i want senator mccauley to match what i did i want senator mccauley just to get as much credit to fight hard for his district and bring those dollars back to finley uh, the, the the inside politics and tit for tat that's what people are tired of I was in the room because I'm a member of leadership. I'm in a room because people know I fight hard for my district and bring those tax dollars back home. And and politics aside, this is going to be a great process. It's going to be huge transformational projects. Our communities need things like this. And so that's what people hired me to do is to go in there and get the job done. What about the accusations that the districts that received the vast majority of the uh, campaign or the uh, supplemental appropriations in this bill uh, was uh, basically a quid pro quo on the uh, vote for the speaker last year. Oh, it's it's the we funded a, a lot of money throughout many of our legislative districts. You know, members got notice about this way back in the fall. They had a chance to go home to the communities and work, and not. All I didn't get everything I wanted uh, as a member of leadership. And so what we uh, ask our members is, listen, we try to do as best we can to fund as many projects as we can. But the good news is, Chris, and for our listeners listening, we have a second round. We have a traditional capital budget coming. So, so if I cleared out a lot of projects, guess what? I've opened a lot of room for more local community projects to be funded. And so some communities say, why not us? I'm encouraging people to reach out to my office if you've got – a community project that can be bondable and, and, and tied to a state agency, uh, we'd like to talk because we, again, can bring more resources back home to the district. And you mentioned the uh, capital budget. Normally, and this is part of my confusion in this, normally this is about the time when we would be talking about the capital budget. Yeah, but very yeah, quietly, sure. the end of last year, the Senate, uh, the Senate president pushed that back from when the conversations would normally start to happen until after the election. A little bit of election engineering going on there? Well, you know, Senator Dolan, who's the finance chairman, is running for the United States Senate. And so I'm pretty sure that he's busy on the campaign trail trying to win his primary election, and I'm not so sure he has time to sit in the finance committee and deal with that. But, you know, whatever the Senate wants to do in their schedule, they, they do. What I've told people politely the Senate doesn't run the House, and the House doesn't run the Senate. And it's good, healthy debate. Listen, the bickering and the banting and the back and forth, it just makes for a little more fun uh, and more and lively atmosphere. 
but uh, we have the experience, the maturity, and the intellect to sit down and work through this process and fight like hell to bring our money back because that's what people want. Bottom line, it was important for the House to get this done right. with the election right around the corner. I mean, well, uh, you, you, yeah, some people say, oh, you know, it's, it's election. And listen, give me a date and a time. I'll be there. I'll fight for money today, tomorrow, April, May, August. We're going to fight every time. I think people have seen me in the last six years. They understand that we get the job done. Uh, and, and no matter if you're an election year, off election year, listen, capital budgets are always on even years. They're going to be in the middle of elections. It is what it is. But I'm doing my job. We're fighting hard, and I cannot wait to deliver these checks in July once the governor signs the bill. And bottom line, you are confident that these amounts and these uh, the, the announcement that you made uh, last week, that that is not going to be adjusted what, over the what, course of the rest what, of this process? Well, I, would, I would hate for the Senate to cut what we worked hard for because our, our, our taxpayers deserve our dollars. But most importantly, Chris, what I've always told freshman legislators or new legislators is – the job is never done once you pass a House bill. You have to go work the, the bill in the Senate, and you got to keep working relationships. It doesn't. It does me no good to sit in here and poke at the Senate and 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 rough up the Senate because I need them, and they need us. And because if things get changed, let's say something changes, let's say oh, we're going to change it by fifty thousand dollars. I'm going to go in conference committee because there'll be changes made. Go in conference committee. I'm going to fight like hell to get that fifty thousand dollars back. So so you know I love a good deal making process. I'm good at it. And uh, But again, I really think the Senate has a lot of buying power, and I'm asking Senator McCauley to join me in these projects. And he might have a couple more that he'd like to, to fund, and that's exciting. So I would support anything that the Senate does. State Representative John Cross, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks, we Chris. appreciate it. You're listening to Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Several stories from the international file of the broken news this morning, proving once again that America does not have an exclusive, does not hold exclusive rights to dumb people and strange things going on. <laughs> we have not cornered the market uh, on this. A gang of 30 thieves is facing substantial jail time in Havana, Cuba, after stealing 1,660 boxes of poultry, 133 tons of chicken. <laughs> they stole, they took 30 thieves to steal 133 tons of chicken from a facility in Havana, Cuba. Uh, the uh, suspects then tried to sell the hot chicken on the streets and uh, use the cash to buy luxury items, including laptops, televisions, refrigerators, and air conditioners. <laughs> hey, you know, in you're living like they live in Havana. You go to any lengths to have luxuries like a refrigerator. Man, wow. It's a, and, the idea of you know selling stolen chicken on the street, uh, I mean, I'm guessing that the people in Havana who are buying this, they were not, they were not asking questions. You know, <laughs> they're not asking questions. Where did you get this chicken? They're just uh, not looking a gift horse in the mouth. If convicted, though, the thieves face up to 20 years behind bars. Their you might say their chickens have come home to roost, as it were. 
Elsewhere in the broken news, a security guard at a Moscow art museum is being accused of trying to eat the artwork he was hired to protect. You heard that right. He tried to eat the artwork. The work in question, Escape of the Goldfish, (laughs) features a bowl with fake goldfish in it. Uh, Security footage appears to show the guard pulling pulling on one of the fish, tearing it from the artwork, sniffing it, and attempting to eat it. I guess he just wanted to wanted to know if it was real. It's I I don't know. When asked what possessed him to do such a bizarre thing, the guard reportedly shrugged and said he had just had a tough night. <laughs> oh, just had a tough night. It was just a tough night. That is <laughs> All right, that is a tough night. You're trying to eat the artwork. All righty then. And also from overseas, a cheeky story, to say the least. Activists on the Gold Coast of Australia recently gathered in support of the Free the Peach movement to voice their opposition to a proposed ban on (laughs) G-strings. Local businessman Ian Grace wants to ban the skimpy swimwear because it risks sexualizing young children and even makes some grown-ups, like him, uncomfortable. The protesters, however, insist that they have a right to bear their buns when they're on the beach. Uh, One protester telling news reporters, it's giving everybody the freedom of choice on what they can wear to the beach. We are fighting for our right to feel comfortable enough in our own skin. And we've been doing it for so many years... It feels like we would be going back in time, and we're here to fight that. So, <laughs> the fight over G-strings on the beach, Australia's Gold Coast. Um, you might want to think about that if you're thinking of visiting Australia's Gold Coast. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you want to get there before the ban takes effect, or maybe you want to wait until after. I don't know how you feel about this. It may affect your travel plans. Just want to make sure that you are aware. Important, hard-hitting stories this morning in the broken news. And back on this side of the pond, no day would be complete without at least one story from Florida. And we have two today. Because it seems that people in Florida uh, just are, they have more than their fair share of odd news. Here is the case from San Mateo County, Florida, of a man who allegedly stole a small plane and landed it on the beach on Thursday of last week. Um, Actually, no, I'm sorry. Let me back up here. I actually read this wrong. It was a man from Florida, but it happened in California. So there you've got both of the weirdest states in the Union, I think, (laughs) on each coast. Happened in California, San Mateo, California. County, California, where the sheriff's office received a strange call regarding a a plane landing at Half Moon Bay. When officials arrived, there were no occupants inside the aircraft, but police later located a man matching the description of the person seen walking away from the plane. Deputies also realized that the plane had been taken from a Palo Alto airport. The accused, 50-year-old Luis Gustavo Aries has been charged 
with the theft of an airplane. He's from Florida, but it was, I don't know if he was hoping to fly back to uh, Florida or uh, what, but it was just a small plane. I don't know if he could have actually made that uh, that whole trip. The only problem with stealing, I mean, if, at first glance, you would think stealing a plane would be, I mean, you know, they're not going to pull you over, right? I mean, you're up in the air and it'd be hard to, uh, you know, just steal a plane. What you don't think about is that eventually you have to land. <laughs> Hard to get away with. Hard to be inconspicuous when you have stolen a plane. And finally, in the broken news this morning, <laughs> Michelle Klein. She's a uh, a mom in Florida who says, and I'm not sure where exactly uh, in Florida this is, but Michelle Klein says her children were expelled from school because she has an OnlyFans account. Now, she and her husband, I guess, together have an OnlyFans account. And if you're not familiar with OnlyFans, it is basically an amateur porn site, is what it is. Um, Average people open these accounts and post racy videos, and people actually pay uh, to watch them. And uh, so OnlyFans, you know, from aspiring adult entertainers, and apparently, uh, Michelle and her husband have an OnlyFans account where they create adult content. Uh, the school found out about it because she has a decal on her vehicle promoting <laughs> promoting her open uh, OnlyFans account. Uh, my husband and I have this little wild behind closed doors lifestyle that we've decided to share. Michelle explains. However, the other parents. At Liberty Christian Preparatory School did not seem to approve. Imagine that. Imagine that. The other parents at the Christian prep school didn't approve. Um, <laughs> one parent said it is a distraction to my children. And no matter how poorly or good a parent, uh, it's out there. That's a uh, distraction to mine and other children. School officials claim that after an initial conversation with Ms. Klein, she got an even larger sticker. (laughs) So instead of scaling it back, she went bigger. She doesn't want to have to remove the sticker to re-enroll her children. This provides a very comfortable life for us, and it's legal. I pay taxes just like everybody else. Except that it's not a public school. It's a private school. They can do what they want. I can't. It just boggles my mind that she was shocked that the that they would politely say, "We think maybe you should find another school." I don't know. There you go. What universe is this surprising? Uh, that is today's broken news report. An update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Primary Election Day is March 19th, and WFIN is presenting a series of candidate forums so you can hear from the candidates you'll see on the ballot. Coming up on Monday, the candidates for county prosecutor, Sean Abbott and Heather Pendleton. The Candidate Forums, presented by the Hancock County Republican Party. Join us Monday at 5 p.m. live from the Marathon Center for the Performing Arts on 1330 WFIN, WFIN WFIN.com, and 95.5 FM. 
now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. This is a big question. How do you feel about life in general right now? The latest Mood of the Nation survey from the folks at Gallup has found that by and large, Americans feel kind of meh. Just meh. 47% in this Mood of the Nation survey say they are very satisfied with their lives. That is down from 50% last year. 31% say they are somewhat satisfied, and 11% are somewhat dissatisfied. 78% of Americans feel some sort of satisfaction with their lives. Some sort of satisfaction. Uh, In January of 2020, right before the start of the pandemic, that was 90%. So it is significantly lower than before all of you-know-what happened. The Gallup poll of 1,000 Americans found that respondents who were married made more than $100,000, were older, graduated from college, attend religious services, and those who identified as Democrats tend to be more satisfied than those who don't fall into each of those categories. Time now to find out what's happening with the Hancock County OSU Extension and 4-H program. Details on upcoming events, activities, and such. Jennifer Little is with us, Family and Consumer Sciences Extension educator. Jennifer, thanks very much for uh, dropping by. We appreciate it. Good yes. to see you. Thanks for having me, Mon- Chris. Sunny Monday morning. We always yes. like that. Yes, yeah, especially after a late night as we both discussed it. <laughs> we're talking about about watching the, the game. Air. Yes, we're uh, nice and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed thanks to caffeine this morning. <laughs> um, <laughs> after a uh, late night for the uh, for the Super Bowl, of course. Uh, February, of course, is uh, health, uh, heart month. Um, and so we want to start uh, kind of with some general information uh, on that because I know it kind of ties into a lot of what you do with uh, Be Healthy Now and uh, Live Eat Well. Yeah. Live well, that kind yes, of thing. Yes, so. um, yes. February is Heart Month, and while you know, sometimes we we think about Valentine's Day and all that kind of hard stuff, but we also talk about our physical hearts, the hearts yeah. that we that you know is responsible for pushing blood through all of our body systems every single Can't day. Live without it, <laughs> right? Cannot live without it. And so, yes, um, heart disease is still the number one killer in the United States, and there are you know things that we can do. Obviously, um, there are things that you know there are some you know, genetic predispositions for some people. We, but um, the one of the number one thing that we can do is what we eat and what we do every day. You know, our having a, a healthy diet and physical activity is are still two of the most important things that we can do. And what I, um, I just gave a program at the library last week, and we talked about some of those dietary approaches that we can take to keep our hearts healthy. Um, there are three main um sorts of, I want to say diet because that always has a negative connotation. So three ways of eating that are beneficial to our, especially beneficial to our heart. And one is called DASH. And this is one of my favorites to really talk to with people and patients. Um, Diet and DASH stands for dietary approaches to stop hypertension. And as many people know, high blood pressure is one of the biggest risk factors for Mm -hmm. cardiovascular disease. So if we could eat in a way that helps lower our blood pressure, um, that is wonderful. One, one of the wonderful things we can do to help lower our risk of heart disease as well. And the thing I like about DASH is it's not, you know, m- many people think high blood pressure, watch your salt, cut out salt. Mm-hmm. But the one of the things that DASH does is it emphasizes the things that we need to eat. And that is also 
Um, other other approaches like the Mediterranean diet. We're talking about things that we need to include in our diet, not so much everything that we need to avoid. But I, you know, think you know, half glass focus, half full, right. glass, glass focus half on full. The, uh, positive, yeah. the things and, that we need to be. And some uh, of those things, the age-old, you know, motherly advice of eating your fruits and vegetables. Those are that's <laughs> some of the big things. Potassium, which is. Um, a mineral that is in so much of our fruits and vegetables, that is so good. Just like sodium raises our blood pressure, potassium helps lower our blood pressure. So when we talk about uh, when we talk about this and, and focusing on the things that we should be getting more of, I don't want to give the impression to people that we're not saying, oh, that means we don't have to worry about avoiding salt or we don't have to, you know, uh, added sodium. We don't have to worry about all of these negative Correct. things. Correct. But... If you are getting more of the stuff that you should be getting, the part about getting less of the stuff you shouldn't be getting is going to take care of itself to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah, I was, and I actually talked to a dietitian one time, and she actually said, if you are, you know, she counsels her patients, and she had a patient one time. She says, he really, really said, I'm not giving up the salt shaker. I'm not giving up the salt shaker. And she said, okay, well, let's talk about what you can do or what you are willing to do. And so talking about things like in increasing those fruits and vegetables. Again, if we're eating more of those good things that are good for us, we're not going to be craving so much of those things that exactly. aren't so good for us. We're, we're, we're filling, filling yeah. that void with stuff that we really need. Yeah. Other things are, are thinking about plant-based proteins. Um, you know, we're a meat and potatoes country, United States of America, but there are ways to get that protein in um, plant-based sources, even things like nuts, peanut butter, um, and even non-red meat sources like eating more fish. Those are uh, fish there are many fish that are yeah. he- full of healthy fats, and that's going to help us feel satisfied, and but ag- not give us the, the bad kind of fat that's going to raise our cholesterol. And again, that's not to say that you have to eliminate it entirely. Right. Um, and very large contingent of extension folks would be, oh, don't <laughs> don't tell us not to eat meat. Right. Um, that is right. That it, is very, it's just very true. Everything yeah. in moderation. Yeah. Yeah. So, everything in moderation. With uh, with that, uh, that kind of segues into want to talk about some of the, the programs and things that are going on with OSU Extension along those same lines. You mentioned the uh, Eat, Li- Eat Well, Live Well uh, program. You have another one of those coming up yes. in March. Yes. Um, uh, if every year we do a uh, – we have Eat Well, Live Well is a monthly program I do at the library. And um, in celebration of Community Reads – um, the community reads this year, which is focusing on everything space. I'm actually mm-hmm. going to be doing a program at the library, um, and it's called Out of This World, um, The History of Food in Space. And there's lots of things that we don't even think about now that we just take for granted as being a way that we've always eaten. But some of that technology has was developed to help feed astronauts when they were Literally out of this world. Tang. 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 <laughs> That's and the I, one everybody knows. Yes. That's the one everybody knows. So, Tang. So, it came from yeah. the space program. So February 6th, if you want to hear more about some of those developments, come to the library. We, we're there from 5 to 6. Just visit the library website to find out more information. But speaking of March 6th, um, that is also the kickoff event for um, 4-H. So anyone who is interested in learning more about 4-H, getting their kids involved, there are so many wonderful projects. You know, lots of times people think of 4-H as being animals, the fair, but there's so much more than that. There's lots of STEM activities. If you have kids that are interested in cooking, um, if you have kids that are interested in robotics, interested in um, the environment, there's just, if you have, if there's an interest out there, 4-H is a great way to explore it and help kids understand more about things that are good for them and, and just and, the world around them. And uh, there is an open house on the 6th. Yes, uh, yeah, that is, yeah, that's open house. Yeah, that's kind of the kickoff open house where 
um, people can come and just find out more. There'll be club okay. representatives who will be there. And again, as we've mentioned, 4-H is not just a rural program. As you were mentioning, there are all kinds of programs uh, and uh, learning opportunities uh, with project opportunities with 4-H uh, that would be great for anyone. And it's uh, a great way for kids just to get to know more people, right. um, sure. leadership opportunities. And I, I, you know, when I worked a little bit more with 4-H, I've always been very impressed with kids get the chance to be interviewed as a part of the judging process. So just being able to articulate right. and talk to people. And it's just... It's Some of those just, soft skills. Yeah, yeah, so many of those skills that are going to pay out no matter what they end up doing in life. Absolutely. And and we and we talked about this before. We are so blessed in this community. We've got one of the strongest 4-H programs uh, of any county in the state. And, and so we can be proud of that. If you want to learn more about it, become involved March 6th for the uh, open house. And that's at the, uh, and that's at the Ag office, Service, right? Yes, Ag yeah. Services Center. We okay. have a lot of stuff going on. and, and um, So, yeah, I would encourage anyone to be a part of that. Another thing that we have going on coming up that you can, don't have to come to our office to do, um, March 14th, um, the, the Consumer Protection Week is early March. And okay. so March 14th, a couple of years ago, I did a Protect Yourself and Your Finances as a Lunch and Learn and that is something that um, you can just sit at your computer and, and luck and, and check in on. It's from twelve to one. I will have we'll have stuff on our website as well as on our Facebook page. Just, I've just developed got some final information about that the other day. And real quickly, uh, this is kind of along the same lines because we're running out of time. But I want to make sure that we mention because everybody's getting ready for spring. We're getting a little yes. spring fever yes. here. The uh, Wellness Challenge, Finding Your Path to Wellness, that's actually starting in April, but uh, make folks aware of it now. Yes, yes. And again, follow us on our Facebook page and we'll have information about all those programs. Uh, the the e email Wellness Challenge is, again, one of those things you can do from your living room exactly. and, and get ideas about how to be healthier in many, many ways. Great stuff. Again, Jennifer Little is with us, Family and Consumer Sciences Educator, the OSU Extension and uh, Hancock County 4-H program, talking about what's happening over the uh, coming uh, days and weeks. And uh, Jennifer, thanks very much for dropping by. As always, we appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Chris. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the program at our webpage. And that, of course, goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, among other things, members of the cast will join us to preview Weekend Comedy. It's the latest production, the Fort Finley Playhouse. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.